You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Worshipology podcast. This is a podcast geared towards worship teams, worship leaders, and worshipers of Jesus. And uh, hey, today I'm really excited because I'm talking uh, to Stephen Miller. Now, Stephen and I, we connected back in 2015. I had just written Soundcheck. I had taken our team at National Community Church through his book, Worship Leaders, We Are Not Rock Stars. Phenomenal book for your worship teams and your church. And uh, man, we just kind of started emailing, calling, texting, never actually met in person, crossed paths, I think, in Nashville. And uh, now Steven is just, you guys are doing some amazing things online. You've got your YouTube channel with like, I don't know, like close to a million followers, over 150 million streams. It's crazy. Uh, Steven, welcome to the podcast, bro. <laughs> hey, man. So good to be on, dude. Thanks for having me. I, I'm so, it's so funny. I um, The Worship Leaders Were Not Rockstars book, I just saw, you know, it released 10 years ago, like 10 years ago. Wow. August of 2013. So 10 years in one month, because it's, you know, we're not in August anymore. It's September now, which is insane. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just So this to is see, like the 10 year anniversary podcast yeah, of that, right? Like, I, I was thinking about that because it's like, wow, this That's is so kinda, cool. kind of a cool way to celebrate that. You you know, because it, it has been really cool to see how God has used that book over the years and uh, in, in ways that like, yeah. you know, the the reason I wrote it is like, you know, it was for worship leader development in my own home church back in St. Louis back then. And I was just like, I want, I want something that will outlast my physical presence that can kind of reach beyond that in, in a way that could encourage and equip young worship leaders uh, as sort of a worship leadership 101 and it really yeah. has done that. Like I, you know, it's been 10 years now and like life has changed so much for me. I'm still leading worship some in a volunteer capacity for the most part. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we have a totally different type of ministry now on YouTube. And uh, I'm still obviously very passionate about worship. It's my heart language. Uh, and it's something that I'll, it will always be connected to, to me at, at a soul level. Um, and so it's just been really cool because every year around now, I get students uh, who are going to different colleges. Liberty University uses it as their curriculum. Um, there are a few different colleges throughout the country that have a worship leader program. Students will start sending me texts or emails or DMs with pictures of the book. And a lot of them are like, they know me from YouTube or whatever. And they're like, what the heck, dude, you wrote this book? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I did. So it's been kind of cool. Uh, well, I mean, just 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 to see kind of like, yeah, 10 years ago and then all the things that you've done uh, since then and the different places you've been. But man, for the listeners, like, I mean, if they're not familiar, which, you know, maybe you're not, maybe you are. Uh, tell a little bit of your story, man. Like, just how did you get started uh, maybe in like ministry and worship and like what yeah. what took you to that place where you got to write? Uh, we're not rock stars. Like, how did you get involved first in in worship ministry, Stephen? Yeah. So uh, in high school, uh, really all growing up, my mom made sure that I was at the church. Basically, every time the doors were open, I'm so grateful for that. As much as sometimes yeah. I would have wished she would have let me stay home and play Mario Brothers on Nintendo because that was like the thing. Like it had just <laughs> come out, and I was like, it's a me. You know, I just wanted to play Mario. Nice. But she made sure, man. So we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, 
Wednesday night, Friday night lock-ins. I was on the puppet team, Mexico mission wow. trips, VBS, the whole thing. Like it was just, that was my childhood going to church uh, with my mom. And, and I'm so grateful for that foundation. And when I was eight, I, mm. uh, I went forward and, and prayed to receive Christ. My brother had done it the day before at VBS. And I was like, well, I can't have him showing me up. So I, <laughs> not really, in all honesty. Salvation I really, is a competition. Well, I mean, that's the thing, you know, when you're a kid. Yeah, I, but I, did, I really did look up to my brother and, and I that's thought, cool. well, dang, I want to, I want that. And, uh, and, um, and so I did, I go, I went and gave my life to the Lord, was baptized. I was so short, you know, they've had me sitting on like these cinder blocks and like the cinder blocks collapsed underneath me. And I like basically baptized myself. What? I like fell in the water. <laughs> so that was pretty exciting. But, uh. But it really, awesome. it really was more of a my, my parents' faith. I think honestly, up until uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, my dad left when I was a, a freshman, and mm. I was just sort of put in this crisis of faith. Like, you know, is this my faith? Is this my mom's faith? You know, what do I believe about this? And a friend gave me a Jars of Clay record, their first album. Wow. And. Uh, and it has this song on it called Worlds Apart. And I'm just like, we're in this like tiny little three re- three bedroom duplex in Austin, Texas. And I'm sitting there um, in my bedroom listening to this CD that my friend had given me. And the song Worlds Apart comes on. And there's a line there that's like, did you really have to die for me? All I am wow. for all you are. And and um, for whatever reason, because I'd heard that song like 30 times by then. I practiced. It was like one of the songs that I used to like increase my range because I wanted to be a rock yeah, star. Yeah. You know, I wanted so bad to be a rock star, you know? And um, <laughs> so I would just sing, you know, all the time. And uh, and so uh, that song, just I just broke down weeping on the floor in my bedroom. And, and I just said, God, wow. I'm yours. Like, whatever you want from me, my life is yours. I belong to you. Um, and, and so I had no idea. Like, I, I had nothing I wanted to do with church music. For me, church music was hand-wavy guy, you know, singing you know, the doxology with timpanies and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, (laughs) and, you know, just people like basically dead, you know, murmuring under their breath, what we would call worship. And, uh, it just didn't appeal to me, you know? Yeah. Um, and then that summer I went to church camp and saw a band leading worship, like a real band for the first time, like a band that played music, like I liked, and I was like, yep. oh, shoot, like, this is so cool. Maybe this is what I'm supposed to do, you know? And yeah, um, yeah. and so I started praying about it, and um, I just didn't really trust it because I was like, of course, you know, I know I want to be a famous singer or, rock, you know, whatever. Like, that's probably all this is. It's probably not a real calling on my life, you know, like guts, mm. you know. And and then my uh, youth pastor came up to me, and this is as a now junior in high school, mm. and just said, hey, man, um, we we're trying to start a, a worship band. Will you lead worship on it? And I, I, you know, I had kind of been like going to these like jumpstart upstart practices that they'd been having mm-hmm. um, for a few weeks. Cause I just wanted to see what was up, you know? And, uh, and I'd sit there and help with sound and help with whatever, and just kind of like learn as much as I could. And then he asked me to do that. And I was like, I don't know. And <laughs> like, yes, I did know, you know? <laughs> So, so that was really my start, and it was so so bad. I mean, utterly atrocious at how bad we were. Um, <laughs> but for whatever reason, I guess because of the lack of other people doing it at the time, we started getting asked to go and 
lead at other like disciple nows and at smaller churches around Texas. And, and so that kind of became a thing. And, um, anyway, fast forward, uh, many, many years, I had been traveling and leading worship. I had been on staff for a few churches and, uh, all along the way, like I knew my own, um, just, I don't know that I knew the depth of the trauma that I had experienced or my, of my own like lack that I was in so many ways, I think leading worship from a place of lack, but I knew, but I knew that it was there enough to recognize, like, I don't want to do that. That's not what God's design is for this role. So I started doing Mm. like a deep dive into what does it mean to be a worship pastor, to be a worship leader, to be a worship, whatever this thing we call it is. I landed yeah. on worship leader because it seemed like the most common vernacular, although obviously it's hotly debated. Is it a song leader, a music leader, <laughs> yeah. minister of yeah. music, whatever? Uh, but we landed on worship leader because that seemed to be the most uh, commonly used term for it at the time. And um, and and it was just kind of like, uh, what are the foundational uh, roles and the functional roles of a mm. worship leader? And, uh, and so for me, it was really a book I wrote for myself, um, Mm -hmm. to remind me, Hey, this is what you're here for, dude. You know, it's not to, it's not to be in the the light. It's not to get the applause. It's not to have people, you know, saying attaboy. It's not for any of that. It's not for number one songs on CCLI. It's not for the money. It's not for the acclaim. It's not for any of that. This is your job, dude. And let me just, you know, remind you of it by doing these 10 chapters. And, wow. um, and I wanted to write it in a way that people would actually read the whole thing. Cause I knew that I was the guy that like only read the first two chapters of a book, you know? <laughs> so, so. Well, it is really great and it's so palatable. And what I loved about it when it came out is it kind of just hit this gap yeah. in the market where it was like, it was a time where, yeah, a lot of, you know, YouTube was on the rise. Songwriting was on the rise. There was a lot of different uh, things that kind of gave way for the celebrity culture in worship. And I think you just hit it at that right time. And I just remember taking our worship leaders. I think we had 12 at the time at different campuses through it. And it really challenged just motives. Like wh- what are we doing this for? Are we doing it for the kingdom? Are we doing it to shepherd people? Are we, are we writing songs to try to get them out there in a way that would make us famous or to really resource the church? And uh, man, I just, I appreciate the book. We're going to put uh, a link to the book in our show notes for sure. Um, so that kind of, that kind of was like your, your start in this author world. And then here you are like, dude, talk, talk to me about like going from there to now you just released uh, not long ago, the art of getting it wrong. Like when did you kind of <laughs> think like, cause there's a difference, right? Bec- and I, and I, I say this from experience, like there's a difference in like writing a book and you're like, Oh my gosh, I yeah. wrote a book. And then it's like, you write the second one. And you're like, well, well, I guess now I'm an author. Like, what does that mean for right. my life? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit, man. Yeah. You know, um, I think the big thing for me was uh, uh, around 20, 17, probably Mm -hmm. 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, man, I, I just, I I think a lot of that past trauma that was unresolved that I kind of referenced a little bit earlier really started coming out in my life. And whereas I, I would love to be able to say like, I wrote this book and now I have fixed all my issues and I have no lack and I only trust in the (laughs) Lord and thank the Lord. I'm completely, you know, whatever, like that wasn't, that wasn't the case for me. Like I still had a lot of 
past trauma as a child and from my family and from some of my experiences growing up being bullied. I was, you know, really grossly obese uh, growing up and mm. um, just had a lot of, a lot of issues and um, my, my longing to be loved and my longing to be uh, thought well of and, and all those things. And then through a series of life circumstances, I just started kind of feeling like I was going crazy. Like I had this imposter syndrome and like, am I really just like, I won't go into all that, but yeah. all that to say, um, I, I was, I, I really felt like I lost myself a lot. And, um, wow. And so began to pray and just ask God, like, you know, deliver me from this, give me a way to, 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 to do something different in a way that's healthy. I want to love you for you. I want to worship you because you're beautiful and, and glorious, not because I get paid for it. Um, I need, mm. I need a reset. I need a recalibration of my compass. Um, and, and so bring me into this new season, whatever that looks like, you know, we had just adopted yeah. our two kids from China. We have seven kids. So, uh, Amazing. It's, it's crazy <laughs> for, for, uh, adopted two from Ethiopia, two from China. We had just adopted our two kids from Ethiopia, uh, from China. And our youngest was pretty high special needs. He had, uh, mm-hmm. uh a rare brain disease called Moya Moya. He's left side hemiplegic, significant developmental delays due to some strokes. And I just, I just kind of, mm. I just kind of lost myself, you know, and and yeah. I can't really describe it any other way other than when I would look in the mirror, I didn't recognize me, and I, and I certainly felt, I felt God drawing me to Him and trying to give me freedom that I desperately longed for, but you know, there was this song um, that was really big back then. It, this is a worship podcast, so everyone's gonna know the song. It's called "No Longer Slaves." The lyric is, yeah. "I'm no longer a slave to fear." I'm a child of God. And I, it bugged me so much for a while. I was like, dude, I mean, why fear? Like, they just feel so sing-songy. You know, why fear? Like, why not <laughs> Why not like sin or, or you know, <laughs> whatever? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the flesh or uh, the why can't of the I, why, why isn't this a little more meaty? You know, why fear? You know? And then it hit mm. me, like, in that moment, as I'm kind of going through this, I had a fear of if I uh, am vulnerable uh, I could lose it all if I, you know, I, I wow. you know, I, and so there was this fear of actually trusting God to know that he, that he knows better than I do about my situation, that I am not yeah. the source of my provision. He's the source of my provision, that I am not the source of my contentment. He is the source of my contentment, that I am not the source of, you know, my protection. He is my protector. Um, yeah. And so there is this real, very real sense that you see in that story of the Exodus that fear leads us back into slavery, but we don't have a spirit wow. of slavery. We have a spirit of sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, you know? And so, so uh, and so that, that, that song began to be this like heart cry for me. And I began to plead with the Lord, like, I want to trust you. I want to trust you, you know? And at the moment that I would say I deserved it the least, God in, in his very godlike way of being gracious gave me this gift of what we get to do now, which mm. is uh, social, what, like what we're doing with our ministry through social media. Uh, we have this family vlog where we just, we don't preach at people, but we just have this like, um, we try to show like normal everyday life as a family yeah. that follows Jesus, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so it's open up doors for us to be able to, share the gospel with people. We, we don't shove it down people's throat. It's not really even, I mean, it, it's just, it's there. I mean, I think when people see the gospel lived out, it, it makes them, 
curious, you know, makes them thirsty, yeah. really, you know, um, not in like the weird way, <laughs> thirsty, but yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like they want to, they want to know. And so we've been able to have these gospel conversations with people from all over the world that we would have never been able to do with me being a pastor, you know? Wow. wow. So that's been really cool. And as a, as a result too, it's given me this kind of sense of like hindsight being 2020, I see all these ways that I just had become so unhealthy. And, you know, I, wow. I think if I went back and rewrote worship leaders, we're not rock stars. Like I can look at the stuff in that book and go, okay, here's where I was being haughty and arrogant. Here's where I think I was actually spot on. And if I had just heeded my own words, you know, if I just guarded my own heart, if I just actually trusted that I am fully loved, fully forgiven, fully accepted, fully chosen, fully, you know, like all those things that God says I am, um, it would have saved me a lot of, uh, of heartache. And so, um, so here we are, man, um, you know, 10 years after that book came out, um, I released the art of getting it wrong. And it's really about, you know, you're not your failures. I talk about the three tenets of the epic fail. Uh, It's the, you know, you're not your failures. Your failures aren't final and your failures don't define you, but they can refine you. And, um, and so the idea, and I talk a a few of my kind of anecdotal stories I tell and, and are very much related to, um, my worship leadership world. It's not just for that. It's really just for every person. My the vision yeah, I have for that is yeah. like, this is a guy that I'm a guy that's in a in an airport who's just made a mess of my life and I just need to know that it's going to be okay, you know. And I see that mm. book on the shelf and I pick it up and while I'm flying wherever I'm going, I meet Jesus and that was the idea for the book. That was the hope for the Bro, book. Bro, come on, man. I love that. Um just by by sharing my own epic fails, you know, and that yeah. there's hope on the other side. And uh, man, that's been such a cool, um, it's been cool to see people's response and the way that it's encouraged people. It's so much more broad, you know, worship leaders were not rock stars was so niche. Um, yeah, and yeah. so it's probably going to have a longer shelf life than the art, the art of getting it wrong. But I do think um, that the lasting impact of, that the book has had on people who have read it is, is pretty cool. And, um, you know, there, there's a story in there. I'll, I'll, I'll share this and then I'll be done with that. But uh my buddy Ben Stewart is actually in DC now. Um, oh, sweet. He's, uh, he's plant. I guess he's not really planting anymore, but he's doing passion city church there in, in DC. And, uh, but back in the day he was over this, uh, ministry in Texas called breakaway at, at A&M. And it would be like, you know, 20,000 college students, um, wow. who were, who were, who were worshiping there at this stadium every Tuesday night. And when I was getting started, man, like that was the thing. Like if you, <laughs> if you could lead worship there, you know, that in my mind, I was like, this is the ticket. This is how I, you know, skyrocket to stardom or whatever. I don't know what it was, but uh-huh, uh-huh. I was trying way too hard. I called the dude every week. I sent him a press kit with a CD and with, you know, a, a, a picture and a, a couple of testimonials in my bio, all the stuff that goes in a press kit, you know. And I just call every week and be like, "Hey, man, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna lead worship at Breakaway." <laughs> you know? Nice. Just, you know. Finally, uh, one of, he had like I guess his assistant was like, "Look, bro, you're trying way too hard. If we want you to lead worship, <laughs> we'll call you. Stop calling." You know. <laughs> there it is. And I'm so grateful for that. You know, that was like wow. one of those moments that really. Um, 
And so I tell that story in the, in the art of getting it wrong, because if I had like, let that just totally derail me or, or yeah. make me bitter or angry or whatever, rather than like recognizing, okay, this is a fail. I really am trying too hard. I need to like wow. rest. I need to rest in my mm-hmm. identity in Christ and stop trying to create something because at the end of the day, my identity in Christ is infinitely better than anything I could create, manufacture or lose for myself, yeah, yeah. you know? And so, um, yeah, Man. it's, uh, it's been a long road of learning and I know that it's not over yet, but I, but I am so grateful that God does not know me by my failures. He knows me by Jesus victory. I think, you know, the, the beautiful thing about your journey and your story that you're sharing is so many people can relate to it, right? Because, and especially on this podcast, as we have a lot of worship teams and worship leaders listening in, failure and vulnerability are two very real struggles. Absolutely. Um, you know, overcoming the fear of failure, you know, pushing through the fear of vulnerability. And if there's anything um, that, you know, following Christ would, would show us is that, you know, what we, we look at the life of Peter, right? And it's like, man, failure didn't define him. And he ends up, you know, being the rock that the church was built on in Acts. Yeah. You know, vulnerability is like so needed. I mean, I think that's really why John was the disciple that Jesus loved, because there was a vulnerability factor that they just pushed through in their relationship. And yeah, I mean, what's crazy to me is like, I'm hearing you just kind of share these very real, very common things that you have pushed through over the years. And then it's like, okay, you guys have a YouTube channel with like bukus of followers. You guys are just very real. Like I, lo- I love the description on your channel. It's like no fake drama, no clickbait, no gossip or tearing it, just good vibes <laughs> to get you through. I love that because it's like, hey, this is just who we are. And I think it's like, hey, it's almost like forcibly pushing yourself through the fear of vulnerability, right? It's like, it's like, yeah. how do you overcome? I, I love, you know, my, my former pastor, Mark Batterson, he would say this all the time. How do you overcome your fear? It's it's introducing yourself to that fear in small enough doses to succeed one step at a time. It's good. And and I think, you know, you're showing that you're living that out, man. And uh, it's just inspiring to see that from a distance and it's inspiring to hear you share that story, man. So so now I've got to ask you this because it's so fun. like I follow you on Instagram and um it's just really fun to see, you know, some of the ways that you're just so playful with your kids and like you said, you've got seven kids you've adopted for. Um, you've got kids that are like going off to college. You've got kids that are in Boy Scouts. I mean, all everything in between. <laughs> and I got to ask you this because, you know, I think most of us at this point have probably read uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Like we mm. want we want Sabbath in our lives. We want balance in our lives. Um, dude, you, you got so much going on. Is balance a myth? Like, you know, I think I think it's like, is it rhythm or is it balance for you? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know that balance is attainable. I think I yeah. think it's like um I think the idea is that there are going to be seasons where you're balanced, seasons where you're not balanced and learning to balance wow. the balance learning to balance the <laughs> unbalancedness. Yeah. You know, that's um it's it sounds really good, you know, to say I had to live mm. a balanced life, you know. But in reality, especially if you're in a non-traditional, if you're a driver or you're an entrepreneur or you're in anything, like I just, I just don't know that balance is truly attainable because, yeah, you know. But but I think healthy rhythms are, and That's I think good. if you That's know good. if you know like how to pace yourself and you know how to run hard when you need to run hard, and then you take your, I mean, 
that I think that's the whole point of Sabbath to begin with is not so that you can have like a, an, you know, an easy work week that you rest from at the end of the week, you know, it's, wow. it's so that you can like wring yourself out, uh, and give every drop of your life to the Lord, um, mm. in a way to bring a return and not in a way like, and this is the hard thing, like, especially as a worship leader is that we can mask that so easy. We can mask yeah. it. This is for the glory of God, you know? And it's like, mm. it's the whole, like, you're, you're like, you're pointing up to the sky while everyone's applauding you. And, you know, it's like, really, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound, uh, you know, cynical, but I am that guy. So I, wow. I feel like I'm cynical about myself because I know how easy it is to to delude yourself into thinking this isn't for me. This is for God. This is for wow. This is for His glory. You know, not to us, not to us, but to His name be the glory. But if I'm being honest, to us, you know, to us. Wow. You know? And, and, and yeah, and, yeah. And that's so and that's so hard because uh, oftentimes God really does use passionate builder, dreamer, entrepreneurial types, especially in today's church, to do beautiful, big, amazing things that do bring him glory, you know? And we've seen so much of that over the last really decade where these guys who have built massive platforms and they come crumbling down for a variety of reasons, not not yeah. just marital unfaithfulness, so that's certainly in there, but relational, uh, you know, things or financial yeah, yeah. things or substance things or whatever. Mm. I mean, I, I know it, it, it's just the foundation of of identity and the foundation of why do you do it? How am I getting away to be with the Lord in, in secret? How am I doing all that? That, I mean... I'm just so thankful that Jesus had no lack. He had nothing to prove. He wasn't an approval vampire who like needed anything from us at all. He wasn't like there to just <laughs> suck it all out of us, you know, and 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 then move on. Like he wow. really is like wants wants presence. He wants he wants to be our greatest gift and he wants time with us and more than anything we could do for him. He just wants to be with us, you know. And so um, good. And that's and and so when I say that, uh, I'm saying that I was a guy, and just being honest, it's like it's like when you're an alcoholic and you go to AA, you're not you don't say like I was an alcoholic, you know, you're like oh I'm an right. alcoholic, you know, because you know yeah. that at any point like you're gonna be like, uh, well I'm I'm definitely susceptible to fall back into that at any moment. You know, yeah. So I can't yeah. be like I'm a recovering, you know, worship leader, rock star, because like in reality, <laughs> like I'm st I'm still that guy, and and yeah. I have to be aware of that. And I think we all have to be aware of the, the tendency that we have to want so badly to build something that people can look mm. at us and say, you know, look at that guy, look what that guy did, look what God, look what quote unquote God did through that guy, you know. Wow. Um, and 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 so I just want to say like to be careful of that whenever you're trying to say, I need balance, I need, you know, whatever that is. Because in reality, like, what are you, what are you needing balance from? You know, are you, wow. are you balancing the secret with your public life? Are you balancing the, you know, are, are, like that's gotta be there. 
Um, and I think when you have rhythms of that, the rhythms of grace that God has given you with which yeah. to live in a healthy way that is, that is whole and healed, um, uh, because we're all dealing with trauma. And I would just say like so much of that, if I could have just gotten a hold of it and recognized it earlier on and dealt with it and made peace with some of it and all that, like it would have saved me so much. And yet I've done a lot of that work. I do go to counseling. I do, you know, all this stuff, yeah, but it's yeah, still yeah. there. It's still there. So I don't well, I even think know. that's the beautiful thing about what you're saying is like the moment you think you've beat pride is the moment mm. it's just crept back in. Right. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah. And I would, I would identify with that, Stephen. And I appreciate your vulnerability there because I, I totally identify with that. You know, if there's one thorn in my flesh, it is like that issue of pride. I mean, you know, yeah. with, with part of my story being on American Idol 20 years ago. Wow. I sound really old. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, it's like, it's like just knowing that there is that mentality in so many of us, not all of us, but in so many of us where it's like, we're, we're, we're leading for affirmation, not from affirmation. Yeah. And man, you just reminded me like uh, a great book that I've read, uh, and I'm sure many have read is, uh, Pete Scazzaro's your emotionally healthy spirituality. Oh, so good. Man. Um, such a phenomenal book. And, and, you know, just for those listening, like, I mean, man, definitely pick up uh, worship leaders. We're not rock stars, such a challenging book. I would say to go along with that, something like Schizero's book, because uh, I, I love what you just said, like uh, balance is, yeah, it is kind of a myth, but the, it's those rhythms of grace uh, that, that Jesus invites us into man. And, and pride can easily seep in when you think that it's all about balance. I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I've ever heard that before. Um, mm. That's really good, man. Now, now I got to ask you this. Um, you know, we're we're talking about pride. We're talking about the the myth of balance. We're talking about all of these, um, you know, potential pitfalls uh, that so many of us can find ourselves walking towards. Um, you know, you've you've led worship in you know massive churches. I know you were at Prestonwood for a stint, and and you've been all over the place, and and now you guys have this really uh, incredible platform on social media. Uh, you're, you're rooted in a phenomenal church right there in the Nashville area with Church of the City. Um, talk to me about what are you seeing right now, big picture, in the worship world, in the church today? Um, maybe just issue that, that, that like half inspiration, half challenge of like, man, I, I've been there, done that. I've traveled a little bit. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what the Lord's yeah. just kind of revealing to me, man, because I, I just love to hear that, Stephen. Yeah, man. I think um, what what I'm seeing, and this is not just in the church. I think when I think when churches are getting it, that it's like gonna blow up, you know. Yeah, but yeah. you see this in the the world in general. We talked a little before we started the podcast. There's that song Oliver Anthony just came out with Richmond, North of Richmond, and whether you mm -hmm, agree with mm -hmm. what he said or not, you can't deny that it's making a massive cultural splash right now. And yeah. the reason it, it, it goes back to that vulnerability, it goes back to that authenticity. This is a guy who, whether you agree with what he's saying or not, he's trying to be real about his own struggles with mental health and his own struggles with a variety of issues. And he's just a guy on a guitar in the woods, like no production, <laughs> no lights, yeah. no audience, no nothing. I mean, it's they literally are releasing iPhone recordings of his, you know, onto iTunes, just because they're like, what the heck? Like, this guy's never made a record before. No one knew who the heck he was two weeks yeah. ago, you know? And then all of a sudden, that kind of vulnerability, that kind of raw 
authenticity is so appealing to wherever you stand politically, wherever you stand, you know, regardless of your, your life, you know, that it's hit a nerve. And I think, you know, my concern, I think the best thing, and this is so wild to say, cause I sound like back in the day, you know, but uh, <laughs> the best thing that's come out uh, worship wise uh, to me personally, as a worshiper, Passion released uh, a little, I don't know if it was an EP or full record or something like that, but recently it was like just acoustic guitar and a group of people basically singing songs from the early 2000s, like shout to the Lord and stuff like that. And it's just like, they're not even their songs. You know, they're not trying to push an agenda. They're not trying to push, look at our songwriters, look at our whatever. They're they're just saying like, we want to sing songs and let you, uh, you know, connect with the heart of the Lord through these through yeah. these songs. There's something so raw about it. And so wow. like, it just felt pure, you know? And so like, yeah. I've had that on a lot. You look at other songs that are kind of making a big splash. The song Kind that Michael Farron and Jesse Reeves and yeah. Steve Fee wrote. And they're just guys who have been through it, man. Like the brokenness and back and then back into the brokenness and then, you know, whatever. Like it's that sort of cyclical, slow, like painstakingly slow process of sanctification is what that song is really describing. And it's so raw and it's so real and it's so authentic that people just weep when they hear it. Mm. I, Mm. I, I think that's gotta be the direction that we go as a church yeah. is, yeah. is, you know, when, and, and, and they've been saying this for years, like, whoa, the high production value of everything, blah, 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 blah. We've got to <laughs> be just as good as that. And I, I just think that people are like so used to high production that they're kind of high productioned out a little bit, you know, they're wow. so used to the polished, look at me, I've got it all together thing. Whenever they're like going home and being like, I really don't have it all together. You know, yeah, um, yeah. that I think that that's going to be the songs that really resonate with them. It's like not looking at worship leaders who have it all together and also not mm. because you can go the opposite direction, which is like you become the worship leader who is like so prideful about how he doesn't have it all together. And you're almost like gloating yeah. and you're not having it all together and look at how real I am. And then that's just as pretentious. So like, how do you actually be authentically vulnerable? Not, and, and, you know, not like contrived vulnerability or like yeah i'm gloating in my vulnerability or trying to utilize my vulnerability as a connecting point mm. people know the difference between someone who's genuinely broken and someone who's pretending to be broken because they think it's going to connect with you wow. so yeah i mean false false humility is just another way of pride masking itself you know yeah. it's like yeah it's like man when, when when people are like you know man this this is like the next big thing and it's like it is kind of like just an acoustic guitar and somebody, but it sounds really bad. And it's like, well, this is just authentic. You know, it's like, yeah. well, it's still, it still needs to be good. It's but actually pretty crappy. Sense, you know? it's, just, it's authentically bad. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's authentically, think, I'm not going to listen to it right now. Yeah. But that's the Oliver Anthony thing. It's just a guy on a guitar, but dude, the dude can sing, you know? Man, he can, he has some and, pipes. And, yeah, there's you know, no doubt. And it's not, I mean, it's nothing like, I'm not, it's just, it is what it is. And I think, um, mm-hmm. The problem is everything in the Christian, you know, I don't want to say the problem is, but so much of, uh, it's just so polished. Everything's just so polished. And even the stuff that we're trying to get to sound raw is still so polished, you know? Wow. 
you know, I think when you're trying to mimic and copy what you've seen, yeah, be quote unquote successful, that's the that's the exact definition of inauthentic. You yeah, know, you're, you're trying to be something that you're not created to be. Right, and you know we've heard it ad nauseum, right? Like man, like man, we're, you know we the next Hillsong or the next Elevation or the next you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, man, God is not calling you to be the next anything. Right. Right. He's just calling you to be the real you. Yeah. And that's not only uh, what's going to help you be the best version is, is by being authentic to who he's created you to be, but also just like, it just, it just unloads this massive burden that I think so many of us carry and trying to live up to whatever it is in our minds that would make us, you know, successful. And, and again, like I, I do that term loosely, like, what does that even mean? Yeah. I think su- success is faithfulness and success is living in the, the John 10, 10 life, right? Yeah. Life to the full, like, like doing what God's called you to do. And, and at the end of the day, man, that's kind of where we have to like pinch ourselves. Right. It's like, yeah. man, like, like, man, we get to do this. Like, this is such an honor. It's such a privilege. It's just a calling. And, um, and man, I, th- I think, um, I'm just challenged by, by your words, man. Well, dude, in our, in our few minutes we've got left, um, and I'm just chewing on so much right now, but, um, <laughs> man, I, I've loved asking this question to everybody that's been on the podcast this year. Um, man, what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Like, um, kind of, kind of a, for such a time as this question here, but I mean, I know you're somebody that with all that's going on, I mean, y- y- you've got to be a guy of prayer and just kind of getting out and, and trying to find those moments where you just hear from the Lord. What's he speaking to you right now, Stephen? So this has been pretty revelatory for me um, this year. I got the Dwell Bible app. I don't know if you're familiar with oh, it. Oh, yes. So my good. God, man. It's just been life-changing. <laughs> so good, yes. Because it's like you just let the word wash over you. And I've got this British guy that reads me the Bible every morning and it's <laughs> like it, so great, it. you know, and music's playing. Yeah. It's just, it's like, it's just like otherworldly, you know, and so mm. centering and, and, and it, it just feels like it fills me with peace. I'll do it. I do it as much as I can when I'm driving, when I'm mowing, when I'm whatever. Yeah. And I, I've, I, I find myself going back to Genesis one over and over again. Um, and just hearing the rhythm, this poetic rhythm of there was evening and there was morning on the first day. And there was evening and there was morning on the second day. And there was evening wow. and there was morning on the third day. And I'm noticing like, he didn't say, and there was morning and there was evening, right? We tend to want to start our day in the light. And, okay. that's, and that's not how God seems to have worked or, or does work. It's almost like he starts in the dark. Even, wow. even the beginning is like, in the beginning there was nothing you know, and God made Mm. something. And it's like in the, in the light, in in the nighttime, in the darkness, God is working almost even as if to say, while you're sleeping, God's at work, you know, but then you take that whenever you have no way of changing your status, have no way of changing the situation. You have no way of changing, you know, what your, what your work will, what your labor will produce. No way of doing yeah. that because you're asleep, you know? Um, it's almost like God is trying to say, I'm working then. I don't sleep. I don't need rest. I'm good to go. Just trust me, you know? Um, that's wow. not to say don't work hard because there's still morning. It's, there's still a time to get up and, and, and pour yourself out. But it's also to say, I think, you know, we tend to describe 
the tough times in our life as like the dark night of the soul or, yeah. you know, the valley of the shadow of death or like when it's, when it's dark, don't forget what you learned in the light, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's yeah. almost like God begins his work in us when things suck, <laughs> you know? Wow. Dude, and that's so really good. I feel like that gives me so much hope because so often I think we, we tend to look at the darkness as like God's abandoned us. God is silent. I don't know like what God is doing. And I yeah. think just that, like the fact that God starts his word off in that way, um, it's just such a reminder and doesn't even just do it once. Like it's like a, a theme throughout the whole of the creation story is that God starts in the darkness and, and, and it, it ought to encourage us. So like God really doesn't ever, leave us. He never forsakes us. He never gives up on us. He never wow. bails on us. He never abandons us. And he's always at work, always doing things, always creating for our good and for his glory in our life. And so that's just been kind of something that this this month I've been dwelling on a lot um, as, I, as the, the Holy Spirit reveals to me through this British man reading to me in the morning. <laughs> you know. That's amazing, man. Well, I think uh, everyone can relate to that. I mean, we've all had dark seasons. We've had times where we felt unseen. And uh, just the fact that you've personally seen how God works in those moments and how he uh, brings you into the light on his time and in his His perfect will. I mean, that's so cool, man. Well, listen, everybody, we're going to put, uh, I feel like uh, this has just been so good on so many different levels. We're going to put links to uh, worship leaders. We're not rock stars, uh, link to the art of getting it wrong, link to, um, you know, all the things that you guys are doing on social media, as well as uh, some of Steven's music, because he's got some great stuff, phenomenal voice, great songwriter. Um, Dude, I feel like we could probably do like five more of these and just be scratching the surface of uh, what you're doing, what what you're doing this weekend, right? <laughs> um, but man, thanks so much for being on the podcast, man. man. What a blessing! Thank you, Curtis. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com. <laughs>